welcome to another installment of the Quarantine Quorum. I'm Neil Latia, your host. And as we continue the lockdown and uh, continue to pull our hair out waiting to get in an airplane, I thought it would be fun to get some of our colleagues from dermatology industry and the far on the professional relations side. And I brought these four out because normally we'd be sitting at a bar talking about the future of derm, but I figured let's do it from our sanctity of our living rooms and bedrooms and give each other an update as well as just say hi. And this is meant to talk more about how we deal with each other, how we're dealing with colleagues, and nothing to do with promotion, sales, or anything to do with products. Um, so Samantha is the lady of the group. I'll start with you and just ask, how are you doing? How are you holding up in the quarantine, and what are you doing to keep yourself connected? Uh, well, in terms of holding up during the quarantine, first of all, I, I've learned that alcohol helps. Mm. So certainly uh, <laughs> large quantities of that. Uh, no, but seriously, um, I'd like to say I've spent the time developing new skills like becoming a concert pianist and learning three languages, but it's actually has been a, a lot of work. I have to say we're doing a lot of telephone conferences, webinars, so it's, it, it's obviously not been business as usual. It's been business in a different way, and I think as many of the derm dermatology community have found out, doing things virtually is not always quicker or easier. I think... Um, just as teleDerm seems to take longer than a face-to-face -face visit, meetings online seem to take longer than they would do usually. So I have to say there's been mainly work and Netflix binging has been the way I've been passing the time. That's it. Nice. Uh, how about you? How would you say that time has passed? So this is, although these are unprecedented times, uh, I wish I could tell you that I had so much downtime that I was just also learning to do something that I, I, don't, uh, I don't ordinarily do. But uh, frankly, it has been more of a challenge. It's, uh, you know, you're trying to make phone calls. Um, you know, it is not business as usual. Trying to reach out. Uh, I'm getting a lot of phone calls and, and, and inquiries uh, from a lot of your colleagues as well as, uh, you know, clinicians around about, you know, certain things. Um, trying to teach our representatives right now how to communicate with, their clinicians and how do we add value and that's the key thing right now so i, I wish to tell you that I, it was you know i'm sitting around and i'm playing candy crush but it's not happening so yeah, oh, yeah exactly. it's it's been busy it's been busy yeah well mike and i compare a lot of notes because we have we have kids almost same age his daughters are a little older than mine but how is it working from home running home school and uh also with your spouse who works i mean it's got to be a balance of uh trying to get stuff done in the middle of the night as well as, you know, during the day. Well, without a doubt, you know, we were laughing about not learning a new skill or a uh, new craft or anything. I, I've become a third grade uh, math teacher along with uh, social studies and English. So I have twin eight-year-olds and uh, third grade uh, fractions has been a challenge for me. They've taught me well, but uh, you know, it's, it, it is a challenge. I mean, you guys know our days are full. Um, it feels like we, you know, we, there's an opportunity to do so much uh, that, online or telephone or conference calls or with our reps with our our field uh, folks it's it's uh, we're drawn in a lot of different directions and then trying to meet the needs of family you know i think and that's something i think that you know just in our different situations i think that's what we're finding with our, our kols and our thought leaders and the people we work with that we're experiencing this as a as a as a country we're all going through it together but we're all going through it together very differently and we all have our own uh, personal demands we all have you know, family, uh, parents at nursing homes, children to deal with. So I think that's one of our biggest challenges is, is 
personalizing our relationships with our KOLs, with our thought leaders, with our friends in the industry. Um, because, you know, some of you all, some of the healthcare workers are, you know, single practitioners, they, they have a small group or some are with large corporate groups or some are at universities and hospitals and things. So their time demands are very different. Some some have very, very little or nothing to do right now. Others are hu under huge demands. Uh, you know, I was talking to one of our friends who uh, is associated with a hospital university setting and they had to be redeployed into other areas. Um, this, this KOL um, just got off a 12 hour overnight shift in the ER as a dermatologist. So um, I think that's going to be our biggest challenge in the short term is understanding, you know, what each individual situation is and how we can relate to them. And then what we do on the other side of this is a whole other, you know, question on how we get back to the new normal or what the new normal is going to be. So, uh, yeah, I think we're all in, we're all in this together, but we're all in this in a very individual way based on our own demands, our own situations, and then how we relate to our KOLs is going to be very individualized, I have a feeling. Yeah. Well, and then you hit on something big because with small pharma, like you guys are mainly with small, especially germ pharma, it's, you got to be a little bit more mobile, a little bit more yes. supportive of each other. And uh, Chris, especially, I mean, you know, with it, with your company being, you know, more in startup mode as well as bringing new products to line. And then you've got to uh, communicate a lot with Denmark. How are you handling a lot of the flow? And I think along with, with everybody, it's been busy, but it's been busy in a funny way because life seems to be in these little 15 minute increments. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to have a quick call or a quick video chat. Um, so I will say on a whole, everyone's become extremely efficient or hour long meetings have, have collapsed down. So there is actually a plus to, to all of this. Um, the two funny things I, I do want to add though in this new environment is that um, all of us on the call, we're used to traveling, moving, working from home, all of our friends outside of the industry who for the first time in 20 years are working out of their houses have no idea what they're doing and they're calling all the time and i'm like guys we we all we all know how to survive in this environment so you have to get some sort of regimen down and i think the other funny piece to this is that uh while we're all busy and i challenge anyone on this video call right now but i'm going to guess most of the time we're wearing extremely comfortable clothing most of the day. As Buddy said, I, you know, normally everyone's in sweats or still in pajamas. I, I got dressed up and I, I told everyone, I said, if you don't dress up now, you're going to hate yourself in a couple of weeks. So you, you better be able to still fit into your clothes. That's right. <laughs> and, yes. and, and Mike, to bring up an old uh, Jim Belvano reference, you talk about survive in advance. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's this right. Definitely yeah. Survive in advance. Well, and it brings up another college uh, uh, saying, you know, there was the freshman 15. I think I'm suffering from the COVID-19. So, COVID-19. Uh, oh, <laughs> All right, Mike, Mike, I'm making a note of that. Thank you. Let me ask you guys this since Chris brought it up. I mean, what, what part of your job right now, aside from what you're doing, do you miss the most? Is it getting in the airplanes? Is it being in a meeting? And to that end, I mean, what, what could be substituted in this this new norm of efficiency. So, Tom, I'll ask you. I mean, what, where where do you see what you're missing, and what can be changed on the other side of this? Yeah. Uh, well, I think what I'm missing the most is really the face-to-face -face interactions with everybody. Right. Um, being able to go to meetings, for instance, and see lots of clinicians, uh, KOLs, etc. 
and have these great conversations with them. Uh, you know, as, as uh, Chris said earlier, you know, sometimes you have these 15 minute segments on the phone, et cetera, but there's nothing like even a, a five minute little conversation in the hallway in between sessions that you can actually just, you know, share information, get some information uh, from, again, your colleagues that are out there. So I probably missed the most is that face-to-face -face with, again, these uh, faculty, and frankly, even those of us that are on this call. You know, we have those times where we get a chance to share best practices, et cetera, and, and understand what's going on. So, so, so quite frankly, so what do we do in the future? It's, it's really doing face-to-face, -face, but it's, honestly, it's more trying to do Zoom programs like we're doing right now, uh, a lot of text messaging, a lot of phone calls, emails. So they're not as personal unless you're doing a Zoom. But uh, so I, again, going back to you, that's that's what I miss the most, I think. Yeah, Sam, would you say the same? And where, where do you see this coming out of? Yeah, absolutely. No, I'd echo Tom, everything that Tom just said. I think um, in terms of getting that face-to-face -face aspect, I found that switching video aspect on the screen when you're doing these meetings helps enormously and it helps keep you focused because it's very easy to become distracted if you're just on the telephone and you're not engaging. Uh, so it's a little bit of a substitute. Again, when you meet face to face like that, you do brainstorm much more easily. So I think all of the best ideas come out of, you know, discussion with other people. And yeah. I think that's one element that's missing. And just, I really, really love interacting with our dermatologists. Exactly. So just to, to see you guys and not be able to, you know, see you, it, it, it yeah, it's, I find that difficult at the moment. It, it, it's, yeah. it's incomplete, right? I mean, we, we yeah. talk to each other on the phone or we do this and it, it's obviously still not the same. But yep. think now in terms of like the bigger meetings and yep. also think of like advisory board meetings or cultivating new speakers or new you know researchers you know so mike how how is epi and our and i'll ask all of you how are you guys approaching that for you know what's going to be in june and july and say well yeah. how do we think about do we do we get advisory boards online and are they going to be as productive right uh, that's, a, that's a great point and you know we, we we're obviously we're all trying to figure this out and how we're going to do this and just thinking back to something that chris said too that we you know virtually we become very efficient and that's the, you know, we're all in some form of professional relations and that's the professional part that we can be very efficient with the professional part, but the relations part suffers virtually. You know, this is the off time when we have those side conversations or, or get to know each other. And so just as, you know, the professional part where we've, you know, we've all established ourselves as resources for our healthcare providers and our partners, but professional relations has two sides of it. And I think that's the side that suffers right now is the personal side, the relationship side. And that's the part that we're all missing right now. And understanding, you know, what is it gonna look like in the new world? We don't know. I mean, we may lose the handshake, but do we lose the hug? I mean, you know, uh, I, 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 I hope not, you know? Uh, um, I'm still hugging all of you, Clark. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have a full, uh, full house, but yeah. we'll get it done. I promise. Yeah. And I think we're in a, you know, I, I'm, I'm very blessed. Our company, you know, obviously we are young, we've gone through a lot of transformations here recently and we've had a lot of people and we're really heavy. You know, you guys know some of the industry experts that we have, Tim Bentley, John Bagdasari, and you know, some of these guys that have been in the industry for a long time have come on board with us. So, we have a, a wealth of relationships and we're under, trying to understand how professional relations then can 
reinforce our sales rep relationships, maintain our corporate relationships. But, you know, we're all, you know, we have our internal company families. Yeah. We have our families among our peers. And then we have our, our families that are the people that we work with, our healthcare providers, the office staff, all those guys. And, you know, it really is, you know, our company talks a lot being, we're a family run company. We talk about family a lot. And I feel like there's a lot of family type relationships that we're missing. So, well, that's really the, point, the, the, the four yeah. of you, I mean, the four of you represent kind of different contrasts because, you know, Mike and Sam both have teams, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, Tom and Chris, you kind of are, are, are it, right? And in some ways, like Chris, I'll, I mean, how, who do you have to bounce off, you know, what's coming and, and where do you want to go? Because it's, you know, I mean, obviously you've done this for many years, but you're, you're also dealing with uh, the people in Denmark who aren't as familiar with dermatology. You know what, they, they um, are great about understanding this whole thing, but also for me personally, I have you guys, right? I think we've had a lot of, of time and trust. And I think um, and Tom can maybe echo this, but I don't think we ever feel alone. Uh, given the networks that we have. And, and I'll, I'll frame it up this way too, to the earlier question you asked about what do you miss? And, and I, I hope we all experience this. So I'll put it this way. On, on the day of a, of a conference, on day one, when you're walking down towards the lecture hall and you see person number one that you recognize and you see person number two that you recognize and then three and four and five, and it just feels good, right? And it just feels right and, and you, you think, all right, th this is where things are at. I think that's the piece we can't capture in, in all of these settings. So for me, that's a miss because, I, you know, like you guys, a lot of relationships. But it's, it's just that there's something about the energy on day one. It just feels right. Um, I, I think to the point about what evolves from all this, I, you know, I'm also a believer in change. And, and maybe it's okay when this is all said and done, maybe it's okay that the new norm is to do more of this. Maybe more advisory board meetings are going to be held this way. Maybe more one-on-one -on -one consulting meetings are going to be held this way. Like I, I think you know, a lot of folks have been asking, how you, you know, what are you going to do when this thing gets over? You know, I think we're also going to find some good things that come from this that, that are extremely efficient. And I don't want to, I don't want to walk away from those either. So I want to stay open-minded in this whole process. And to your last question, Neil, just about communication. I, I got to say that the, the team in Denmark's been excellent. Yeah. Um, you know, they're very in tune with the U S as you can imagine the news they hear uh, in Denmark, what's going on in the U S uh, makes things sound pretty harsh over here with respect to the virus and, and peaking and spreading and, and things like that, but uh, they've been very receptive. So um, I'll pause there, but it, it's the energy. To me, it's, yeah. you know, just being on the call right now, looking at you guys right now is energizing and I love it. So thank you. Well, Sam, I'd, I'd say the same, or I'd ask the same about how they're doing in Barcelona because I'm sure, like Chris said, they have a similar mindset of what they think is going on in the U.S. And I know, uh, you know, having met a lot of those guys, they're all great people, but I'm sure cost containment is somewhere in their heads. And would they say, you know, maybe switch to virtual meetings or cut down on travel? I mean, what, what have they been talking about? Yeah, I think, um, I think again, like Chris, we're fortunate. I think the team, you know, many of our team in, in Barcelona, particularly Mercedes, who's, who's amazing. 
I think they do have an understanding of the issues we face here. And we're in the same situation as, as quite a few of our, our dermatologists at this point in time. You know, it's, it's all about, you know, we have to keep an eye on costs. We have to think about future business. I think it's become apparent which tools are going to be useful moving forward for which applications. So virtual meetings are, uh, are better for information driving rather than the discussion aspect. So I don't think we're going to lose that that face to face. But yeah, it does bring into question some of the some of the um, things that we've been doing and different ways of approaching them to, to yeah. Chris's point. It's always good to look at alternative ways of doing things and we should learn from from this experience. Um, I also think it's it's been a tough time for anybody who didn't have those existing relationships yes. to be trying to stay engaged at this point in time. We're seeing that across the board from our roles right down to the to the sales representatives. Yeah, that, that actually brings up an important question because in yeah. my reference, you know, people who are seasoned in the game around his team and you guys have all, we've, we've all been doing this for decades. Yeah. But, you know, from a, from a standpoint of bringing new business and, you know, cultivating new people, there's also bringing the new drugs to market, which was again, not from sales or development. And Tom and Chris, you know, you're, you know, you guys are in a similar boat with drug development. I mean, uh, Chris, I'll ask you, I mean, how, how has this affected moving towards approvals or development of the new products? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I, I can even, let, let me even take it a step back from a macro level right now. Um, this is a hot topic in general, right? Um, even this morning, FDA came out with new guidance, a new Q&A uh, with respect to the conduct of clinical trials and medical products. So for them, it's a huge issue. Um, and I guess you can approach this from a, let's do a bad news, good news scenario. So the bad news, right, is in the country right now with respect to all of Biotech and pharma, there's about 120 phase three clinical trials going on right now, right? So imagine they're all just being disrupted at an accelerated rate. So just fundamentally at this big level, there's a problem. All this needs to happen right now. Um, and what have we heard, right? Some trials have been suspended. Some trials are uh, delayed. Some trials are only allowing uh, the investigators to just call patients to ask about adverse events, right? No efficacy, just what's going on with adverse events. So in patient recruiting, is, is that a standstill regardless? And I think the challenge is going to be is how do you, how do you quantify all this? Right? Yeah, we, exactly. You know, how, how do you quantify all this? And, um, well, and, and how do you bring quality back to the game when all of your tools have been handcuffed, right? Or when your ability to do what you do well in person is now strung by not just six feet away, but a telescreen away, right? Absolutely. And Absolutely. I just, I, I wrote this whole editorial about telemedicine. You know, patients are, are sending images of moles from, you know, their cameras six feet away with, you know, bathroom tile on the bottom and backlight. And I'm saying, you're supposed to make a diagnosis out of this crap, you know, right? Let alone trying to get adverse events and posi uh, scores and everything else in a research patient, it's next to impossible. So, so, but imagine if you were a company right now who was going to have top-line data at the end of the year. Right? Yeah. All of your planning was built around this space. I mean, you have to deal with that and figure out what that is. And, and I, you know, but I also want to move to the positive side in our world of dermatology where, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll pause after because I want to get your comments, you know, because you're, you're doing trials yourself, that it seems that all the trials that people have enrolled in are still moving along. Right, people have put protocols in place, uh, you know, regimented protocols in place to make sure there's 
the safety of the patients first. Some people have moved to uh, doing it virtually, you know, remotely uh, clinical trials. And also I've heard some drive-through potential as well. So I, I feel like, you know, in Durham, we've been doing a lot of good things, but I'll pause there, Neil, because I'd love to know how you are handling that exact piece right now. Well, it's funny because, you know, the, the number one subject is, we call it the waiting room. Like, how are you handling your waiting room? You've had to have patients sitting in their cars where you go out and get them or text them to come in. You have to have them wash their hands, make sure they're in a mask. Uh, and there are some visits you have to do in person. You got to get labs. You have to in, literally, you know, obviously examine them and and do as you do, but with precautions. And it's it's unnerving for some patients because they're worried about exposure and everything else. But you also have to remind them that it, in the grand scheme of things, the clinic may actually be one of the cleanest and safest places for them <laughs> because everyone is bundled up and taking their precautions. And to your point about the big picture of you know trials and where where do we go? A lot of us in research, we, we are trying to take advantage of windows and say, okay, maybe these next couple of weeks, you know, we, we have to think about, you know, is there a window of rescheduling? Can we stretch visits? Can we work within the framework and still do our quality, high quality of assessments? So I think to your, to your point, you know, of protecting data, you know, integrity. I, I think most investigators are doing that because they don't want to see anyone with one shot at it, you know, crumble because of this. I'm going to give you one, one more crazy thing to think about. And I'd love your, you know, there's a potential right, in any one of these phase three trials, regardless of the disease state, the patient will die because of the coronavirus. Right? Sure. Okay, and that now becomes part of your data. Yep. That's your SAE uh, recording, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, and, and speaking of the of coronavirus, Tom, I'll, I mean, one of the things Chris brought up is, is trying to get data out. And you know your company has a, a hypochlorous acid product, and I'm, I'm not trying to get into sales or promotion, but you know some of that data is helpful for preservation of integrity and protection of patients. And yet, you know, in a small company's milieu, you're, it's hard to get that data out. So, without being too promotional, I mean, how would you get information to dermatologists about something like that that can be protected without sounding too salesy? Uh, well, you're, you're right. And I, I think that is the challenge right now. And frankly, um, because we're limited by what the FDA clearance are on a lot of these things, you have to be very careful because you don't want the FDA coming down at you as well. So honestly, it's really through here, professional affairs, medical affairs, where if you're getting uh, any type of questions that you can answer them and provide some stuff. Uh, and then from the professional affairs, be able to provide some information that's related to that. But again, it's, it's a very, very tricky uh, balance that you want to you uphold, right? Uh, so that, you know, the frustration is, you know that it may be very helpful for the public, and yet you have to be careful that you're just not out there because you don't want it, you know, you don't want it to come across as promotional especially right. when it's something that is really going to help uh, you know, folks. You yeah. know, there's something else that uh, Chris had mentioned, and, and I wanted to go back to what you were talking about with these clinical trials. And I think there's another parameter here too that we have to be very careful of. A lot of these trials have specific time uh, times visits where you want to see them. And yes, you can have on either side a few days, but sometimes you're, you may have a higher dropout rate not because the patient is dropping out, but because you weren't able to evaluate them 
within the parameters that are specified in the trial itself. So right. now what happens to that person's data? Do we throw it out? It could be very good. And that's unfortunate as well. It is. I mean, you could be stuck with protocol deviations left and right. And all of a sudden, everyone's looking at the little asterisk instead of the, the real data. Right. And that can screw them. So to, to wrap this up, I'm going to take some bets from you guys. And I'll ask you each, which, when is the next time that we will all go to a meeting? So Chris, I'm going to start with you. Which is the next meeting you think we're going to go to? I, I know I, I have to believe that everyone on this video right now has been asking this question of a saying probably 100 people we're close to. Uh, it's a tough space, right? Because I think if you're holding a meeting, as you know, Neil, and then you, you know, have to move your May meeting, um, it is going to be hard to, to commit and you want to stay focused on having this because I think we all want to be at one. Yeah. But the challenge is if this, you know, COVID-19 has a resurgence in the fall, it just throws things off. So I'm right now I'm, I'm betting on palm trees and I'll, I'll pause there. Yeah. yeah. Tom, how about you? What, what's your bet? Yeah, I, I, I actually have the same feeling. Um, and it's, it's interesting, and not just because of COVID and what's happening now. I think there's, there's a realization that's going on. A lot of these spring meetings and early summer meetings, they're all trying to postpone it to the fall, uh, summer, fall. The reality is now all of a sudden you've got way too many meetings. So what does that represent? You know, with this downturn in revenue for most of our companies right now, do you have the money to be able to support? And of course, a lot of the support that we provide helps to offset clinicians going to these meetings, right? So they don't have to pay as much. So right. I, I just think that there's so much going on, even for you, Neil. So how many meetings are you gonna be able to go to? You have so, your you own know, obligations. Well, you guys, I, I brought so, us all together because uh, of course I'm missing all four of you. And I wanted to hear smiling faces and hear your voices, of course, because I go through withdrawal. Uh, so Chris, Tom, Mike, Samantha, thanks you guys. Thanks for taking the time. And uh, this has been another installment of the Quarantine Quorum, and we'll see you again.